You are now tuned into the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is episode 62 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to share their stories. My name is James Bodden. Today's guest is Connor McDonald second time coming on the podcast and the reason that i wanted to have connor back on the show outside of the fact that i just enjoy talking to him and think he has a lot of really unique insight on a lot of things that matter and should matter to salespeople, but he has a unique point of view because he's been an influencer on instagram thirty thousand followers at one point and so we had a great conversation about his view on engagement and likes if you don't have time to listen to the full episode right now, here's a clip of our conversation. At the end of the day, I'm more concerned with creating the one or two meaningful relationships that I can continue to utilize for the next three, four, five, 10, 20 years versus having a hundred plus people say, this post is so great, you know, yada, yada, yada. Like, you know, I'm glad I, I found you, whatever, because it's not, it's not, not real. it's not real. It's not sustainable at, at the end of the day. Yeah. Me and Connor had a fantastic conversation about influencer marketing, what it means to build real engagement when you're building a following, when you're creating content, just such a great conversation and why I love having people back on for the second time. You can tune in to season two to hear Connor's first episode and he'll talk about his journey into sales. But, but these second episodes are always great because we get to dive in a little bit deeper. So without any further ado, here is episode 62 of the lunch break podcast with Connor McDonald. Enjoy. All right, everybody. So episode 62 here. I've got my boy, Connor McDonald, time number two on the podcast. And we were just talking about something that I think is super relevant. And since you're, this is time number two, we don't, we don't follow the same rules as uh, the first timer. So, you know, we've gone through how you got started in sales, but what we were talking about was super interesting. This whole, um, you know, idea of, we were talking about what kind of podcast we listen to. And I was saying that I don't really listen to a whole lot of sales podcasts and uh, even the one that I, I produce. Um, and, you know, you were kind of saying the same thing. It's all the same kind of regurgitated uh, message, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, it is. And, you know, we were just talking about how whether it's a podcast or whether you're viewing specific content on different social media platforms, specifically LinkedIn, like you said, it's a lot of regurgitated content. And to me, I mean, you know, you see people that, oh yeah, I've been in the sales space for 20 plus years. and I know everything under the sun. I mean, I consider my time as a sales professional, you know, even though it's only been, five years going on six years as a long ish time in the sales community. And because of that, you know, I go on LinkedIn every single day. I'm, you know, I'm not a Facebook user. I'll ride the train in, you know, into work every morning, just on LinkedIn. And 
it's just the same content, you know, whether it's somebody super high up that pretty much everyone knows about, you know, down to kind of the small individual contributor that really no one's ever heard of, all the messaging is the exact same. And to me, I just see through a lot of that very quickly and I recognize it and just kind of move on where it's rare that I'll find something that I'm genuinely interested in that of course adds value to me. And I think that that's where social platforms are really lacking now. Um, you know, you've got, of course, the Gary V's and everyone trying to copy him. And you've got, you know, these crazy sales leaders. But it's just, it's the same content over and over. And yeah. I think we need, uh, we need to change it up a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I completely agree, dude. And and it's a, it's a really weird thing because you get, you get, it's definitely an echo chamber, right? There's definitely that sense that everybody's just kind of trying to do the same thing. Right. And, and, um, you know, what you said was interesting because everybody from the person who has a ton of followers and has polished content down to the individual contributor that nobody ever really has heard of, they are kind of saying the same shit, you know? And I think the, the, maybe the the pull with that individual contributors, maybe hopefully it's a little bit more grounded in like something real or actionable or something that they went through that day, which inherently is just maybe a little bit more valuable than somebody who just riffs and talks about fluffy stuff with zero kind of feet on the ground. But I think it's a good point that they are kind of, I mean, even the formatting and I am so guilty of this, as well, right? I mean, it's an, it's an even stranger thing to be a part of the community that creates content because you do, I mean, I have thoughts like that all the time, man. Like, is this super corny? Is what I'm doing like absolutely just to uh, get a like or um, am I trying to be tricky in the way that I'm formatting this to get people to click on see more and you know all of those things are it's a real weird experience um when when, when you're trying to avoid being uh, a linkedin douchebag no i you know? of course i i <laughs> totally agree there and you know when when i had you know shot you a linkedin message uh, man it was probably a month or two ago just to say hey you know would love to be on the podcast again i'm you know i still get I still to this day get people messaging me about kind of the, the video prospecting yep. uh, conversation that we had you know, about a year ago. Um, Classic which is great. episode. It's great. Um, so when I was of course thinking about, you know, topics and, and things that we could discuss, of course, this was, you know, a, a big topic of mine, but then also to, to kind of branch off of that was cultivating and maintaining real and genuine relationships within the sales community um, and just all throughout any aspect of your life where the issue that I'm seeing with these LinkedIn influencers and just kind of aside from that, you know, going towards like the Instagram influencer route is, as you said, a lot of things are formatted the exact same. The content is regurgitated. The ask is not genuine. The overall message is not genuine. And, you know, as I mentioned, because I've been in 
the sales community and industry for the last five going on six years, I see through that super, super easily where occasionally I will come across a post or I'll come across just a person on Instagram or um, LinkedIn where I see that it's extremely genuine and they may not have a ton of likes. They may not have a ton of followers, you know, that community behind them, but at least they're putting out real and relevant content instead of, you know, the, the typical, I mean, there's so many different examples. I the could cookie think of cutter. It. Yeah. Like it is the format. Right. And it's an interesting thing because being genuine is, and I've, I've, I've actually seen people that I enjoyed following their content. And because of that reason, you know, it was genuine. It seemed a bit raw. They were just kind of firing from the hip with what they were saying. And it just seemed like, Oh, cool. This is different. And then over time, the, whatever that pressure is that people feel to start making the videos with the bars, you know, and the text on the bottom with cool thumbnails and emojis and stuff. Like I've, I've done videos like that and shit too. And I'm like, "Mm, you know, nah, not really. You know, I tried it out, dip my toe in it. But for me, it's, it's like just not in my thing. Um, but, but I think you bring up an interesting point because the effort of, you know, going on podcasts, reaching out to people that, that, uh, you know, want to speak with people about their experience and something that you're experienced in is a fabulous thing, but it's very easy to fall into. Okay. So now I'm a content creator and now I got to do this way. And if I want to get as many likes as this person, I got to do it this way. And, um, even when you have people that are like, Hey man, I really like how genuine you are. Authentic. You are I really like that episode. Right. That was really sick. It was really actionable. Um, it, you can still very easily fall into like, Oh, well, like my last post didn't, you know, go anywhere. My last thing didn't make me feel like people cared or whatever. So it's a weird, it's a weird ride for sure. <laughs> It's, it's a weird ride, but it's also, you know, the, the content that you're producing, you have to ask yourself and take a step back, why are you doing it? And then what type of audience are you trying to attract? And unfortunately, you know, with any platform, LinkedIn, Instagram, I mean, I'll just continue to harp on those two as the main ones that yep. at least that I'm using and I'm seeing is... I just, I see through it and the, the likes and the comments and the engagement and the activity, that's great. But are you actually creating anything of real value to people that they haven't necessarily seen before? And I think with all of these, you know, LinkedIn specific influencers at the end of the day, for me, I view it as, you know, how many likes did that post get? You know, how much engagement did that post get? But 
it's not really resulting in anything besides yeah. a like a feel good an endorphin rush exactly yeah um yeah. it's pretty shallow most of the time <clears throat> i've found absolutely and i have a question for you what do you think because this idea of of kind of you know these people who are who who are do have a lot of engagement but don't really provide a whole lot of substance behind it um i almost feel like it's very similar to like the economic situation we're in right now where like all these companies get all this funding and they can grow these sales teams and do all these crazy things and never even really make money right they um it's i feel like there's a there's an influencer bubble too you know that at some point will have to kind of burst right at some point that thing runs dry um that that shtick that like when the economy isn't as good as it is right now way less people are going to give a shit about the asshole who's you know uh, selling his ebook for for $125 on how to grow your Instagram following because they're not going to have that $125 to spend so that you know what like what are your thoughts on 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 the the influencer bubble it, it, it's it's crazy that you mentioned that because i was having a conversation with a friend last night about I mean, literally the exact same thing. I mean, I can probably go through my text right now. And it, the, the message that I sent off to him was, you know, I, I wonder when the influencer marketing appeal is going to crash and burn just because, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but um, let's see, it was back in 2016 or so. This was back when I was... Um, competitively competing in um, men's physique and so I was you know super into weightlifting and being in the gym and um, which is great and I accumulated quite a few followers on Instagram I think at my peak I was close to like 33,000 or something of that nature mm-hmm. um, and I did at the time this is the 2016 2017 it didn't transitioned into 2018 because I chose not to, but I was sponsored by a few companies. I was getting a free, you know, a ton of free just swag and gear and just, I mean, anything under the sun, you know, Hey, we'll throw you a hundred dollars to make this post. We'll, we'll, you know, throw you this to make that. And I was extremely excited. And of course, at that time in my head, I said, this is something that I want to do forever, whether it's in this particular market or whether it's in, you know, sales or just, you know, that, just that influencer world. And so my brain, it just went down this non-genuine path where I knew what I was posting wasn't genuine, but yet I was at the end of the day, still feeling good about it because I was getting a ton of positive feedback. I was getting a ton of engagements, a ton of likes, you know, posts were going viral. Um, I was being noticed, I mean, literally in, in public really? during, you know, sometimes it was weird. Yeah. And so I thought That's to myself crazy. that this is, it, it, I thought it was just extremely positive but yeah i mean that's that's i mean and and why wouldn't you right i mean i think that that's that's the interesting thing about that is like who the hell wouldn't be super excited about any of that <laughs> like and i think pay me a hundred dollars uh, to to 
make this post. Yeah, I mean, it may not be all the way genuine, but I'll take that. You know, I mean, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, see, I, the counter there is, for me, I just got tired of feeling ungenuine. Like, I knew that certain comments and, you know, just reactions that I were getting, it just they weren't real. It was somebody saying something to say something to help themselves out. And then to kind of have that trickle effect, you know, just keep rolling and rolling. Oh, and so that's a very interesting perspective. Mm. I decided to leave that Avenue just because it just wasn't making me happy at the end of the day where I can see this sort of trend translating over to LinkedIn specifically because through LinkedIn's algorithm, through Instagram's algorithm, the amount of times you post, the frequency, the time of day, it all has a serious impact on your engagement levels. And for me, when I left kind of that influencer world, I did not make any sort of attempts to even post at all on Instagram specifically. And through that, the algorithm kind of kicked me in the butt where it kind of just said, all right, well, you're not a relevant content creator, if you will, anymore. So we're not going to show your content to, you know, their 30 plus thousand followers. And I quickly went from 30, I think I'm sitting at 16 and a half thousand right now, um, which to me doesn't matter. I don't yeah. care about that anymore because but it's an interesting data point. It is. Else. It's, it's interesting to see, but at the end of the day, I'm more concerned with creating the one or two meaningful relationships that I can continue to utilize for the next three, four, five, ten, twenty 10, 20 years versus having a hundred plus people say, this post is so great, you know, yada, yada, yada. Like, you know, I'm glad I, I found you, whatever, because it's not, it's not, not real. It's not real. It's not sustainable at, at the end of the day. Um, so no, I mean, no wonder you see right through it, right? Because you kind of, I mean, you lived right through it. I mean, you, you um, absolutely know what that experience is like. And, and look, what a what a what an interesting viewpoint to have having kind of tasted the cool part about it and then gotten to the point where it wore real thin and and was empty for you and then kind of having to come to terms with how okay so how do i reconcile these two things right how do i take advantage of some of I mean, because you know it's valuable. You know that there's parts of that action and that those doing those things are are valuable for you. Uh, but 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 how do you do it in a way that that you don't quickly get swept back into? Because I mean, the 16 could go right back up to 30, 40, 50 real quick if you decided to turn it back on, like you know how, because you know how, right? So that's the interesting dynamic there. That's. You know, how do you, how do you strike that balance and, and, um, remain genuine and all those things, dude, it's super interesting. Yeah, it's, it really is a balance. And, you know, I've had a lot of people kind of ask me for advice on, you know, like you mentioned earlier, like growing Instagram followers. And 
how to increase that engagement overall. And, you know, I, I tell them the steps that I used, but of course those steps, they just, it's not, it's not genuine at, at the end of the day. And <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're you know, kind of giving them a blueprint to, to follow right down that same path. That's going to, and how many ever months or years lead them to feeling like shit. <laughs> uh, I mean, Essentially. it's per, that's for a hell some, of a per, uh, perspective to have is I guess my point. It is. I mean, for some people like that's their path and that's what they want to do. And of course I was, intrigued by that at first but then quickly fell out of it just just because you know i mean i i, I can go on instagram or, or linkedin literally right now and I, I bet you know i'll just kind of pull up my phone i'll see well if my internet ever decides to work um i mean i'll, I'll just come across posts that it's like you know hey go go check out this you know brand new whatever at, at this store like it's the best it's got all these benefits and this and that and like it's just, that's not how you really feel. And I think translating over to a sales perspective in terms of sales development and using and creating meaningful relationships, instead of being the look at me on LinkedIn person, be that person that, again, has those two to five to 10 really, really good connections that believe what you're doing can follow what you're doing. And then sure, if you get some growth from that, I mean, that's great. Everyone likes the growth. Everyone likes to have their endorphins raise up from, oh, I got that like, I got that comment. I really wanted my post to be seen by X amount of people, which is fine. From a numbers perspective, it's fine. But I just believe doing it in a genuine way is a lot more important than a, it's all about me. I just want to have a high number at the end of the day um, where I've established relationships extremely early on in my sales career that I still keep in touch with today from the very first company that I worked at, from companies that I've interned with in college where they've added some sort of value to my life at all of my previous job opportunities that I've been in, where especially now that I'm in a completely different field than software, it's night and day how well using those relationships work to not only generate more relationships, but generate business at the end of the day. <laughs> I mean, a, a prime example is my VP of sales, you know, he's been with the company, he just had his sixth year. Um, I can name drop him in an email to someone extremely high up, you know, a VP of marketing at Pepsi or Mondelez or just a huge, huge brand. And instantly, I mean, I'll get a response. I don't have to send out mass emails or, you know, use 18 different touch points to get in touch with them because my direct superior has had and maintained these amazing relationships. I can then utilize them to not only create my own, but then help just drive further business for 
my company. And um, I've not seen that properly utilized in the software space by any means. I mean, even at some of the top companies, I'm not seeing those relationships work super well. Um, I don't, and I don't know if the space is too cluttered or if they're just not genuine, but in this industry that I'm in currently, it's working extremely well. Yeah. I'd say the first, my first thought on that is I don't think that sales teams in general in the SaaS space, the tech space, stay together long enough to reap the benefits of any of that. The, fa- the, the first thing that surprised me was you said, oh, my VP of sales who just celebrated his sixth year. Whoa, I haven't heard of a VP of sales sticking around anywhere for six years in about six years. I mean, yep. you know, that's a reality. I, I um, you know, what, a year and a half, two years before they're kicking you out and bringing in another SVP of sales or um, CRO or something like that because you, you hit quota, but they jacked it up the next year and you couldn't quite do it or whatever. So um, that was the first kind of indicator. It was like, oh, well, yeah. And I think that's the biggest problem. I think I, I honestly... Um, I've been recording a bunch of these podcasts like three a week. So I've been having a lot of these conversations. So, (laughs) you know, the, um, what, what, what I've kind of end up coming to is I really do think it's a symptom of the economy as it's a symptom of the VC lifestyle, right. Of, of, of just having a cool idea or building some cool little program and then going out and raising a bunch of money. And then, when you have a sales team and you've gotten all this funding, there's weird unnatural growth that has to happen in order to meet those financial goals, right? Cause like outbound and doing it the right way and building relationships and utilizing relationships takes time, right? Yep. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. There is no silver bullet. There is no replacement for being around for a long enough time to where people know your name and they recognize your face and your word means something. And then that means that your team that you've built because you've been there long enough gets to reap the benefits of those relationships. I just don't think there's enough time given because people will hire a sales team and then fire them in a year and a half because the ROI isn't there and the, and the runway is gone. Right. So it's like, that's the biggest thing for me <laughs> it's, in, the, in the SaaS and tech tech space from what I've seen. No, uh, of course. And, and to your point, you know, I think that's the reason why there's, you know, not only a lot of turnover, but not a lot of relationships get maintained in that space because how could they, <laughs> with with the positive growth of just a company from like a revenue standpoint there's a lot of negatives in terms of turnover and kind of this churn and burn sales development model where i mean with linkedin you'll you can go on you can look up any company you can sort by you know sales marketing devops i mean whatever it might be and you can see the average tenure of the employees within that division at that specific company and specifically in tech and software. I mean, just like you said, like six years, unless you're a founding member of a company, whether it is public or private, 
it, it almost doesn't happen. And especially in sales development where you will see, you'll either see SDRs or, you know, whatever you want to classify them as being an SDR for 12 to 18 months and then being promoted as I think most companies should operate that way. If you want to maintain that talent, grow your employees internally, you know, cultivate them into great account executives or account managers, wherever path they decide to go down. I think that's how companies should act, but you also see SDRs that have been SDR for a year. Then you get to team lead, whatever that title means. Then you get to senior team lead, whatever that title means. And you see 10 years of, of SDRs for three plus years. And of course, they could be making a ton of money, but I don't think, uh, yeah, fingers crossed, but I don't think it's helping the company grow as much as they would like or hope. Um, you know, I've, I've left certain positions in certain companies and of course, you know, don't want to name drop or anything, but I've left positions where I've been exceeding quota very significantly for months, even years at a time. And the opportunity to grow just wasn't there. So, you know, without burning any sort of bridges, you take a step back, you kind of reevaluate, you look at the market, you know, from just a wider perspective, you know, and do you want to be in software? Do you want to continue to grow and hustle? Or do you want to change industries similar to what I did, where for me, moving back into the software space, I think would be extremely challenging, just because everything that I've learned in my current position at the current company that I'm at, break time media has just been all growth and it's real. It's genuine. The people that I work with hear about me. Of yeah. course, I'm on a very small sales team, but I think that even makes it a lot better. I mean, we've been around for 10 years and we have a sales team of five people yep. and it just works for, the model that we're trying to emulate and kind of well, go after. Well, you know, I mean, I think the idea that more salespeople equals somehow more revenue is wrong, first of all, right? And so I'm always happy and it, it always makes me like feel good when I hear that, you know, a company is deciding, hey, we're going to like just hire like five really good salespeople and just let them kind of do their thing and run be smart about the way that we do marketing and be smart about the way that we do this and be smart about who, and, and in, instead of let's go raise a round of funding, get a whole bunch of money, hire a bunch of people, buy a bunch of Patagonia vests and some Oakley and some Oakley uh, backpacks. And then, you know, in maybe less than five years when the economy goes to poop and this piece of software that lets you, you know, analyze the last 16 calls or videos or whatever, you know, some sort of sales intelligence thing that nobody's going to buy once you're trying to figure out how to pay the bills. You know, that's what is so weird to me. Um, 
because you know selling and being a salesperson in 2008 was way different than it is now right and it's much more of the of the you know if you got if you get lucky you come across a team that's been around for a while they have a small thing you go in but it works and they're not crazy about doing a bunch of all this flashy stuff and um i think it's an interesting perspective for sure and i think it you know you definitely have a choice to make it's a to your point when you said uh, when the growth wasn't there i left well i know the old way of maybe looking at it was oh you know that's not going to look good on a resume you're going to be labeled as a job hopper or whatever but that is just not the way it's almost like okay maybe that would be fair if i had gone down the route of being a lawyer or being somebody who worked in a very corporate position like i worked for honeywell and i only lasted seven months at honeywell and then i worked for ge like those are places you stay and they hire you and you stay there right we've made a decision. I almost feel like it should be an asterisk at the beginning of like a profile or a resume or whatever. Like, Hey, I made the decision to get into the startup world. Thus watch me go look for the best deal possible kind of thing in, in my search. Cause that's to me how it is. Like I am not in a position, like I'm taking enough of a risk by being a part of a startup or something that's newer or something that's maybe a little bit unproven. If this shit ain't working out for me i'm out right and i'm gonna go try and find that growth and i'm because it's a there's a finite amount of time before it all changes again right and it's almost your duty to put yourself in the best position whether that's changing industries or going to a different role or going to a different team or changing companies whatever that looks like you got to move fast sticking around for the sake of sticking around is not the move these days in my opinion no of course no i agree and 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 to that point you know i i think there's a couple different things that sales development individuals like myself or just a, a new sdr that's starting out or has been in the game for five plus years and is labeled as like a forever SDR. Cause I, I do know people that are forever SDRs and that's great. And they make $200,000 plus a year and like fantastic. You hit your accelerators, you, you triple the amount of productivity that, you know, your colleague is doing and you know, you've hacked the system in a way to make as much money as possible, which is mm-hmm. great. But I think companies specifically tech startup companies need to do a better job of maintaining just the relationships that they already have where it's very similar to prospecting. You know, you can't just mass blast VPs of sales or VPs of marketing or CROs or, you know, whatever the title might be in hopes that that method is going to create an existing relationship. So if you look at it from a company standpoint where you have a 90% turnover rate for SDRs, why is that, why is that happening? Is it because your goals are unobtainable? Is it because you know that there's always going to be another round of, of young 
you know, hot-headed college students that are graduating every single May, June, they're going to want to get into the sales game where let's burn what we have right now for SDRs over the next 12 months. Let's create as much opportunity and as much growth as we possibly can. And then as soon as they start to fade, we'll get them out and get in these new people. I see that and I hear about it all the time. I've been through it. I have friends that are going through it currently. And it's just, we're going to reach a point where just companies cannot continue to do that, where they'll have to slow down their growth to exceed in the future. It's everyone wants the extremely short term growth. Everyone wants that, whether you're a startup or whether you're an SDR. I want to be, want to be in a, want to be in a, you know, we, we need to get to 10 million this year, whatever the goals are everyone's going about it in the wrong way where we need to pause. We need to take a step back. We need to really determine what's the goal. So from a, a business standpoint, is the goal to make $10 million this year, or is the goal to make 8 million, but keep the people that are doing that for us so that we can educate them we can nurture them, grow them into better sales professionals where in a few years, the average tenure at a company, instead of being one to two years, will be four to five or higher than that. So yeah. Yeah. I think from a relationship standpoint, companies just need to do a better job of focusing on the talent and the goals that they immediately have rather than just trying to take that short-term approach and that fast approach, if that makes yeah. sense. No, yeah. I mean, and it, it, and it kind of, well, not kind of, it applies across the entire organization, right? I mean, you, you've got to, you can't play the short game with the talent and how you treat them and the way that you cultivate the relationship with them and the culture that you have. And then you also can't, create a shortcut to to having it be a absolute success right off the bat right and that that all kind of goes hand in hand and if you're not ready to hire a bunch of really great people pay them enough so they don't have to worry about money have enough infrastructure in place so that there's enablement for them and hire leaders that are focused on servant leadership and moving obstacles out of the way for these talented people. And then if on top of that, you don't have runway for depending on the sales cycle, I'd say maybe one to two years for this thing to get up and going and actually start working and producing revenue and start paying itself back, then you don't need to do it at all. And I would say if that were a rule before starting, most companies wouldn't have SDRs. Yep they wouldn't be working the same model. They'd be forced to do, you know, something else. And I think that's exactly what you're saying, right? And that, because the only way that it works is if you have that time and you have that mindset and you can build those relationships, that's the only way it works. The, the, these, uh, it's like everybody's looking for a shortcut and everybody that's, um, and everybody's selling one too. How convenient, right? Yeah. Everybody's looking for a shortcut and everybody's got one to sell. 
No, of course. And, and I think to, to go off of that um, would really be within the sales community, of course, people talk. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, if, if you start out as an SDR, you know, at a, the best, the fastest growing company, we, you know, we're unicorn status. We've got all this funding. We've got the cool chairs, the Nerf guns, the snacks, the cold brew, whatever it is. And then, you know, you're being burned throughout trying to grow your sales career and trying to get to the next level that even if you have, you know, great training and, you know, the company is investing in you as a salesperson, are they investing in you for the next five years? Or are they investing in you for the next eight months <laughs> so that when you decide to leave or unfortunately, if you don't hit quota and you get fired, you're not going to have nice things to say about that company or that experience. And so even though there is a talent pool of thousands of other SDRs who don't care about necessarily what you said about your experience, there are a lot of people who do care. And there are a lot of just ways to go about doing that process in a much more genuine way that let's say people genuinely cared about your success as a, as a fresh SDR. You got the proper training. You just felt connected to your manager or your superior on a, on a different level. That's not necessarily work related. Mm -hmm. Even if you went through a year of SDRing and you may have gotten fired because you didn't, hit quota or exceed goals, you'll still probably come out of that experience having positive things to say about your time there. Yeah. Because you're focusing on your time there instead of focusing on, Hey, I got fired. I mean, people get fired. That will happen. You yeah. could be the best sales rep ever, but end up losing your job. So I think what's important for companies to do is maintain the relationships while you can, because once you've lost them, it's, it's impossible to get them back. And yeah. words really have an effect on the company as a whole and, and the way that the company operates. You look on Glassdoor. Yeah, that's some real shit. If you'll, see, you'll see reviews. And of course, you and I can easily recognize this, but I'll go on and I'll see reviews that are just fake beyond belief. And yep. no one as a current employee is, is currently talking that way about the company. So yeah. Yeah. Well, know, and I, I think both of us have experienced probably both of those scenarios, right. Where you're uh, and, and, you know, I would say it also goes both ways, right. I mean, I've definitely burned bridges um, early in my career by like leaving and like being a dick on my part and really having serious regrets about how I conducted myself and the fact that I oh, yeah. enjoyed working with people and ended up putting them in shitty situations by being an asshole. Right. And so, um, you know, it, de it definitely goes both ways and then you learn that lesson and then you start realizing that it, you know, okay, well it's the company's job to, to make this, if it is what it is and I've got to go or it's not working or however it shakes out. I mean, the last company I worked for, the uh, before I came to the sales developers, you know, they told me it was a out of the blue thing, but they were like, Hey, look, you know, this position, this department, 
along with a few others, or we just can't, it just doesn't make financial sense for us. Um, and then, you know, my last day they took me out to lunch and like the entire company, we all went out to lunch together. We hugged. It was, you know, they all wrote LinkedIn recommendations for me and they all, you know, that's the way to do it. Right. Because there were no hard feelings. I, I will always support that company for the end uh, until the end of time. Now, they have my undying, uh, you know, and I'll never work there again, right? But I'll, I'll, I'll always want to see them succeed and do great things because of the way that they treated me in what was a tough situation, right? And, and yep. it wasn't hard. And also, FYI, it wasn't super hard for them to do that, right? All they had to do was be exactly. humans, show a little compassion, show a little empathy. And then I was out the door and they were on to their next thing and I was on to my next thing. It's not hard. It's just that... Yeah for whatever reason, companies don't do it. And I, I love that we've kind of talked about these things and I'm also aware of the time here. Um, you know, I think <laughs> this feels like one of those ones that we could probably just kind of continue to talk about. And I really, um, I love that, that you found through different experiences, whether that was your experiences on social through, you know, kind of seeing what success looked like and then getting into the SaaS world and seeing what that, those successful companies are like and what's actually happening, right? And what actually goes down, right? It's like you've, you've consistently been able to kind of peek behind the curtain and then, and then proceed accordingly, right? Um, and I'm sure that people will uh, be hitting you up about this, conversation we've had so how can people stay in touch with you man as we wrap this thing up stay in touch um i'm mean, anything similar to last time you know linkedin's a very good avenue to reach me on so it's just connor mcdonald c-o-n-o-r and then m-c-d-o-n-n-e-l-l -L. i currently work at Breaktime media um so if you just search Breaktime, i'll probably show up as well just because we're a smaller company not not too hard to find um but yeah, I think LinkedIn's the, the best avenue to go down. You know, anyone who wants to get in touch, whether it's talking about my time as an SDR, prospecting tips, video tips, maintaining relationships, you know, feel free to shoot me a message. Um, you know, always willing to help a, a hand. And I think just that way, me kind of always willing to help out is just another thing that helps enhance the relationships that I have or the relationships that are going to come mm -hmm. um, just because it, right now it's, it does go back to, you know, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you know the right people, maintain the right relationships, you're on a good you know path with them. Um, you know, there's really kind of nowhere you can't go as, as cliche as that sounds, but it is completely true. Yeah, sometimes those cliche things, the older I get, the more I realize they're cliche, but they're also like super foundational truths of life. <laughs> so take yep. it for what it is, right? Well, um, Connor, thanks so much for coming on again, man. This was really fun. And uh, thank you for, for, you know, I love having folks on for a second time, right? It's always cool because we can take the conversation. Um, and and thanks for everything that you shared. I think there's so much there that people can pick apart. But uh, with that, I'm going to wrap up episode 62 of the Lunch Break podcast. Speak to you guys soon.